Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Greg, you going to start it? Ah, you can start it. All right, fine, I will. Welcome to Screams from the Grave. What's <laughs> up, everybody? Yeah, all right. Scream. That's more like a growl. Yeah. Yeah, be like, ah! Like, like the Wayne with his, yeah. 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 Eye of the Witch. That's, Michael, that's no Michael bad. Tisky. That's yeah, that was pretty good. Now. <laughs> it was Actually, old. It, it was it, inner it, voice. Doesn't really sound too far off from Steve Gaines on that Avatar song. That's right. That I got the name from, honestly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've been studying that song, so I'm doing it fairly well. But we have a new guest here. I don't know if you're ever going to come on the show ever again after this episode, but if you do, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to ever have me back again after this episode. So we'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> <laughs> but John, Cos- <laughs> what? What are you saying, Greg? Don't, don't worry. You're our buddy, guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not your well, buddy nice guy. Nice to be here. I gotta say, it's nice to nice to finally say, meet meet all of you face to face for one thing, because I've known all of you off for for a, well a couple of you for quite some time now, and yeah. just met Lou. So I mean, it's great. It's you know, making new friends and get getting getting to finally see uh, Greg face to face and talk to him is wild to me. I mean, it's great because I mean yeah. I've known him for a, yeah, quite some time here yeah. yeah, on cool. the internet. So it's great. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we were trying to get you to come on the show a long time ago, the, the Rat Salad Review Show, and always waiting for that computer. We're still waiting for it. And it was like yeah, two years ago. I'm still waiting, and I'm still waiting. <laughs> well, I mean, it's chaos. Like I said, I'm starting a new family, and and, yeah, and all okay. kinds of stuff going down. And I'm, I'll get it right. Everything's going to get. I want to get a green screen for to put to put behind me the whole the whole kit and caboodle and set oh, myself I, up so I can make up I, my own backdrops. I want to set myself. up. You don't up, have man. to do that when you use Skype. Oh, look at cool. Lou. He doesn't have a, a, a green screen. Oh no! Yeah, you just hit the button oh, on Skype. It's oh, just a little. Oh, yeah, I, I never even really noticed it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it would be cool if I could paint my house the same color scheme as a Somewhere in Time album. See yeah, yeah, no, that's true. true. Wayne, what the hell is that? I I no too. I'm looking at my telephone, so you guys are all. Oh, that's true phone. too. Yeah, he can't. Looks really like a Santana album, Wayne. What I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah. It's like a Peppa Pig episode or something. I'm in. Can we not talk about Peppa Pig for one episode of Rats? <laughs> I can't help but every please. time you're on, I think of Peppa Pig, Lou. I'm sorry. I don't come on here to think Peppa Pig. I run away from my daughter. To... Oh. As long as you don't come on anybody on this show, we'll be all right. Greg, what are we doing today? That's disgusting. <laughs> oh, I just figured uh, all this stuff out. Perfect. <laughs> Iron Maiden's sixth album, Somewhere in Time. Very cool. My second favorite of theirs, and also their second perfect album. Oh, second perfect album. What would your yeah. first perfect album be? Killers. You dropped the peep on me. I'm down with that one. Yeah. Which, uh, well, well, I, I mean, both is... of them because, uh, I mean, K- Killers is just the pinnacle. I love the debut album. It's great. And I also love Peace of Mind, Power Slave, and most a number of the Beast, but. Killers was when they hit that first high watermark. Number of the Beast is real transitional. They're getting used to Bruce. And then Peace of Mind and Power Slave are great. But they're just kind of establishing who they are and running with that. You know, they're very fast and aggressive and heavy, too. But Somewhere in Time was really the first time they branched out and did something different. And what I really love about it is it really gives Adrian and Nico a chance to stretch out on the more mid-tempo stuff. And this record is just as heavy as the other ones. Yeah, I think so too. it's a little, probably a little bit more heavy than the other two. Uh, Production-wise oh, yeah. as well. I mean, it's probably the, the best production they had at that period in time, too. Oh, definitely. You know, I 
That always kind of annoys me when Steve says it sounds dated. I mean, I get it. Synthesizers make a lot of people think of the 80s, but the production doesn't sound bad. It sounds awesome. And everybody, while, you know, most of us have probably bought all of Maiden's album several times, I'm not saying you have to buy it, but at least listen to the 2015 remaster they did on YouTube. Yeah. yeah they, they do sound really good. I, I yeah. had to buy them, so I got them all. I got the originals. I got the remasters, and then I got these other remasters. Do you have the 95 <laughs> and Castle reissues? And then I have the 95 Castle reissues. Lucky bastard. <laughs> wow. If they keep I did releasing, I check out the 2015 um, reissues so on, on YouTube, and they do sound pretty nice, I have yeah. to say. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. John, John, since what were you saying, Lou? No, I was going to say, as... Uh, Continuing on the discussion that uh, Greg was just saying that, you know, every Maiden fan owns every album or in my case, T-shirts. It got to a point where I started having to branch out and buying other versions of Iron Maiden T-shirts. <laughs> so I am rocking my Iron Mando shirt in honor of Iron Maiden and the Mandalorian. So, ha. <laughs> nerd alert. That's fine. You just wore that shirt on another show we did. Do you wear that shirt quite often. Yeah. I like, didn't. See. Yes, I didn't do the wash. No, just kidding. <laughs> God, you're gonna get that wife. Crack the whip. Just getting her to do stuff. Can we please not say crack the whip. <laughs> but be, 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 being the resident Canadian, my favorite was always one the one they did when they uh, toured here for uh, I think it was the Somewhere Back in Time tour actually, and they did Eddie uh, in a hockey uniform on the ice, and I, yeah. I had one in blue and one in red. They were they were sweet. I really liked them. I really liked the blue one. John, I didn't know you're from Canada. Good day, eh? Oh yeah, for sure. I'm a newfie. I'm from Newfoundland. Very nice. An Islander, yeah. I don't. A lot of people from. Well, I know that on Decibel Geek, uh, Aaron and Chris sometimes talk like they're from Canada, but they're not. They're from the Twin Cities, or no? I'm yeah. sorry, they're from Nashville. Yes, Canadians from Nashville. in Nashville. Yes, and it sounds like they have like Canadian accents. They say a boot. Wow. I say it sometimes. Sometimes my 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 accent it comes and goes. <laughs> well, I'm horrible well, at accents. Along with my memory, <laughs> I just know the difference between Queens and Brooklyn accents. So that's not saying much. <laughs> well, hopefully your memory is not too bad, John. So, uh, what? When did you get into Somewhere in Time? Like, were you always a Maiden fan? Like when that album came out? Always, or? always yeah. I start. I my I have a weird real relationship with I Maiden because I'm. The first Maiden album I heard was Killers mm-hmm. originally, and, and that would have been probably late 81 or something like that. And I, I probably picked up the uh, debut very shortly after that because, I mean, Killers was a game changer for me. One of the biggest new wave of he- British heavy metal releases that I had heard up to that time. And I was into the scene at that time. I, I was just the right age at the right time, and I was involved with the right people. And so I was getting access to this stuff, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And uh, But Bruce Dickinson... Number of the Beast. I didn't like it when it first came out. It threw me. Oh. I was a Paul Diano devotee all the way. I just I worship at the altar of what it what was Killers and is Killers and always will be Killers. I mean that's that's the album. that's the Maiden album for me, right? There's there is no Killers killer in the Maiden uh, discography for this personal. Uh, <laughs> I can uh, Yeah, but uh, I would I'm really torn when it comes to this album. I gotta say I'm going to be a bit of a contrarian when it comes to uh, Greg because when I heard it. Uh, I, I there are tracks on it that I really dig. I gotta say, I mean, there's stuff on here that is I write fantastic. Uh, sea of Madness coming to mind. I mean, I, I really love that track. I think it's a fantastic track. The the lead off lead off cut the title track. Love it. Um, uh, after that, it gets really dicey for me. I mean, the, oh the God, only two songs. Yeah, well, that two <laughs> songs two songs that I consider all time classics. How about yeah. that? Okay. Just a, you know the pinnacle of, and and there's a nostalgic reason why I like. Now th- I do like the album. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give it a two point five out of five in the end. But point five that's for nostalgic reasons. Two is for the music and the production. This was the album too. Fun- funnily enough, where I, I was starting to grow tired of uh, Harris's bass. Oh, the wow. bass sound, just that clackety, constant, the sound that he had. And I found that in this particular mix on this album, the way it was pushed up front, maybe it was accent- accentuated by the synths or something like that. But for mm. some reason, it, I found it his bass playing off-putting on, in the, on this album. 
it, the way it was pushed up front in, in the mix and and just the just general way he plays i started to grow tired of it and 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 it started and it started to wear on me and i and it was with this album that that happened strangely enough Wow. Well, he hasn't changed much from it. <laughs> no, he, sure, he certainly hasn't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, John, you were right. This is your last show. We'll uh, see you next time. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. It was, it, it's been great. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's fine. I, I totally get it. But yeah, that's yeah, weird. Too, it's too <laughs> hey, but, hey, but, I mean, but seeing I, where I, you I, came from and started from, I can understand. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, was, I was used to that more... New wave of British heavy metal sound, and they were changing. Like like Greg pointed out, they were modernizing their sound. They were they were looking, in, you know, into new vistas and stuff like that. But to me, it didn't work. I thought that they found their footing a bit more again. Now come the next album, Seven Son of a Seven Son. Mm. But uh, and then after that, of course, I checked out with just about everybody else as the album started to degrade in quality, by by my estimation, anyway. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, it didn't work for me. What 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 was the 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 single on it again? The second track. What was that called again? Stranger in a Strange Land. There were two. Wasted years. Stranger. Wasted years. Yeah. I mean that's I found that catchy. Wasted years. And I enjoyed Stranger in a Strange Land. I didn't know that was a single. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I can say about Wasted Years is that's that's a Nico track for me. That's all about the drums for me. That track. And and I find it's I like that. I like the album for his drumming. I will say that. And some of the guitar work is superb, of course. But yeah, I'm uh, like Deja Vu. Complete failure for me. Doesn't work. What? (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wow. That's my second favorite song on the album. That's like that's like six minutes of torture to me. Oh, I can't God. listen. To, I can't he, listen to it. He just lost all of like five subscribers right now. <laughs> hey, Thanks. So somebody had to offer the contrarian view in there. <laughs> no, that, that's you, I, you, I you've, that. you've received it. I'll, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you guys uh, eviscerate me now. <laughs> Lou, what no, about I you? I Sorry. knew someone was gonna bring up that they didn't like loneliness of the long distance runner, but I'll, I'll offer my rebuttal later. Go ahead, Lou. <laughs> right. Shit. Uh, oh, Uh-oh. <laughs> what happened? The, the pack and I dropped it. Uh, uh, I did mention the water. The I'm a man. We smoke. <laughs> <laughs> This this album kind of friggin' uh, uh, one thing that did happen to me that and it's a really nice memory which boosts boosts this album's value to me uh, say is uh, I came home from high, I remember coming home from high school one day I guess I was in grade eleven or whatever and my dad was one of these guys that he he did not understand heavy metal music mm. right so he he had no concept of the music I was listening to he did not understand you know headbangers ball or any of this stuff. <laughs> Like, I follows the same way. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a country guy or whatever. And that, oh, that yeah, mine too. <laughs> yeah. well, we yeah. said we got the same life. I think just a couple of yeah. years older. <laughs> so he griefed me endlessly about this stuff, right? But anyway, one day I get home from high school and I hear Alexander the Great of all things blasting. Wow. Right? I'm like, what the heck is that? Right? That's my Iron Maiden album. I trot down the hallway. I source the sound. And it's coming from my bedroom. <laughs> So I open the door and I look and here's my dad lying on the bed. This the the the, the metal hater of the century with his tapping his feet with his eyes closed, listening to Alexander the Great. And I just looked at him like, You son of a bitch. <laughs> but it brought us closer together when it came to music. It really did. It kind of bridged the gap. He started to appreciate and understand heavy metal a little bit more through the Alexander the Great song from this album. So oh, I do got that connection to it, yeah. So did he get into more metal bands at all? Or? Absolutely did. Absolutely did. Wow. Iron Maiden were one of the bands he actually grew to like after a while, after a fashion. Yeah. Well, what else did he end up liking? Oh, geez. Now you'd have to ask him that now. Uh, I, in hindsight, now let me think what else What else I'd get him to listen to that he'd appreciate. Man, you're talking 30, 40 years now. Yeah. I, it's just strange, you know, because like you said, your father liked country music. My father liked country music, too. I can't show him anything of mine he won't like it you know <laughs> and so i just find that strange it's, it's that's cool you know I, my dad grew up in northern canada and in in the sticks i mean he he was a trade the the 
typical redneck. I mean, you know, so it, it was country music and briar brawls and all, that, all, all, all that, kind of stuff. that was his life. You know, we're living in a mining town. That's what it's all about, right? Yeah, yeah. That's and, what being a man's all about. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Was he a Gordon Lightfoot fan? What's that? Was he a Gordon Lightfoot fan? Absolutely. I remember Gordon Lightfoot albums. I, as a matter of fact, I just recently moved my uh, vinyl collection, believe it or not, <laughs> after years. It was collecting dust, and I needed to move on. I wanted to build my digital collection, my CD collection. And and, uh, and there must have been four, five Gordon Lightfoot albums, all, all formerly my dad's, that were still in the collection that I got rid of. So, I have, yeah. a, soft, I have a soft spot oh. for Gordon Lightfoot because the brother that got me into Gordon Lightfoot is also the same brother that got me into Iron Maiden. Uh, yeah, uh. There you go. Now, my, my dad, like, vicariously, I think I got into metal. My, like, my first love was surf music. So, like, oh, wow. listening to Dick Dale and, and stuff like that, I think. And I think that was the bridge that got me on the, on the path, I truly do, because, I mean, the... You know the relationships there. I mean, you can't you can't deny it, and uh, and that, all that music came from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, and I think, and, and there were there were stuff like there were Sabbath albums lying around, and there were Who albums lying around, and they were all that was always there. A lot of Zeppelin albums. I remember those lying around. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he wasn't totally you know ignorant to it, but. Uh, but like the 80s, when the 80s rolled around and, and you started getting your thrash metals and your glams and you had men that looked like chicks and uh, he couldn't, he couldn't grasp that. <laughs> yeah, that I can understand that. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't grasp that stuff. The MTV era, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just like Ronnie Dangerfield said, some boys want to be girls, some girls want to be boys, some of them are. <laughs> yeah, some of them are, some of them are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so Lou, when did you get in, into uh, Somewhere in Time? So, um, as mentioned uh, to you guys before we started recording, Killers is my all-time favorite Iron Maiden album. Happy 40th anniversary, Iron Maiden. And, um, you know, my first foray into Maidendom was uh, seeing my brother's cassette copy of Number of the Beast, hearing the title track for the first time, hearing Bruce Dickinson do the dynamic build-up to the scream, and my eyes going from like this to this. Completely bug-eyed, and I became a fan ever since, and built my way up. So there was that, then there was Peace of Mind, then there was Power Slave, then Live After Death. Discovered Killers after that. Didn't realize that Bruce Dickinson wasn't the singer on that, and I said, wow, was he smoking back then? Not realizing (laughs) it was Paul Diano. Um, And then Somewhere in Time came out, and... I remember both my brothers had cassette copies each. And whenever I would drive with them in the car, they'd always have their copy in their car blasting. And I loved it. Uh, to me, it was, even though it was a transition for Maiden, going into more progressive territories, it was still Iron Maiden to me. Um, like Greg, it is my second favorite Maiden album, too. Um, for me, it's uh, just like Killers. It's a perfect album. And... I don't know if it's because of the time that I listened to it, being five, six years old, impressionable enough to be, um, you know, affected by it as I was. But I just remember, you know, loving every song and thinking, my God, this could be the soundtrack to Blade Runner, you know. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that they took a lot of um, inspiration from Blade Runner. I mean, look at the screen behind me. You know, the Im- yeah, the imagery uh, cover. Alone. Quick aside note: the uh, their opening for the somewhere on tour tour for this album was the uh, end credits theme from the Blade Runner movie. Hence my point. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, you know, just somewhere, somewhere in time is still a made an album that I listen to as religiously as Killers. Um. Even so much that I love the B sides that were on the singles as much as I love uh, the album. Um, Greg, me yeah. too, except for one, but we'll get to that. <laughs> I mean, I remember hearing uh, Adrian for the first time ever sing on uh, Reach Out, and I oh, said, yeah. this, this is so good, this should be on an album. Yeah. So now that I have the uh, best of the B-sides, so now I can make playlists of Somewhere in Time with the B-sides as well as some of my other favorite Maiden songs. So I feel like, you know, the circle is now complete. <laughs> did and, you hear uh, the ASAP album that Smith did? 
when he, after he left at left made. I yes, had I it. Did. I had it on iTunes, and then they took it away. Yeah. Which is now why I'm on the crusade of owning physical media. Yes. My mission always. But, by the way, there is one killer song that Adrian Smith released with the Untouchables that there's a music video for it, but there was nothing um, released for it on CD or record. A song called City of Dreams. If you're looking for a catchy early 90s hard rock song, um, see if you can find on YouTube. And I know it's available. Adrian Smith, City of Dreams. Great, great song. Adrian proves to be the MVP of this album, on in, in my opinion. Oh, uh, for for this years album? Yeah. of this album, in my opinion, yeah. For years, I've always debated, you know, who's your favorite made guitar player? Is it Dennis Stratton? Is it Dave Murray? Is it uh, Adrian Smith? Love you, Yannick, but you're not up there. Um, <laughs> and you know, slave for the longest, slave. wow. <laughs> for the yeah. longest, for the longest time, it was Dave Murray. But the more I listen to to this album, I have to say it's Adrian. I mean, you know, both Adrian Smith and um dave murray have their own signature guitars out jackson put out uh, adrian's fenders put out um dave's i own a jackson adrian smith so what does that tell you mvp of this album yeah i think so too somewhere in time was my first iron maiden album some kid oh, i can't remember a lot of people from our generation oh boy i i should really leave <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean anything because uh, okay I boomer <laughs> i think it was like maybe sixth grade or whatever maybe that was like 91 ish i think um the kid gave me a tape no prayer of the dying you don't want to admit that was your first iron maiden album no you? i didn't even know who iron... i was just getting into metal when i found iron maiden some a friend of mine came over he showed me the cassette tape and i you know i love the artwork that that's my favorite iron maiden album cover i think out of all of them is somewhere in time you know, you got every little piece of like the artwork from, uh, you know, the songs that are in the album, even from old albums. It's it's cool. You know, it's just so much stuff to look just at that artwork itself. There's probably things in there I don't even know about, you know, oh, yeah, a lot of Easter eggs for Maiden's history. And the cool oh. thing about that album cover was that I think it made Eddie the anti-hero as opposed to the villain, mm-hmm. you know, because it was mm-hmm. such a, such an awesome look for him. Yeah. But that's that's what caught my attention right away was the artwork on on the front cover and everything. And then, uh, you know, he gave me the music. I listened to it, and I'm like, all right, it's cool. You know, I'm just getting into metal, so it didn't really have an impact on me whatsoever. Really, I mean, cool songs and everything, but it never really stuck with me yet. Mm-hmm. You know, just because I was just getting into metal. And then finally, uh, Fear of the Dark comes out, and then that for some reason caught my attention a lot more. I don't know why. Maybe because I was more into metal at, at that point. And then I went back, and then obviously got back into somewhere in time again. And it's it is one of the best Maiden albums, I think. You know, they really. I'm sorry, John. There is no bad song on this album. There aren't any bads. I, I agree with you 100. percent I I just don't think there are very many great ones. And I, I up to that point, I was used to a certain standard with Maiden, yeah. and I thought that album let totally down the side. It was the first album of the '80s where I find, I, I thought they let off the pedal truly. Yeah, and I had some personal gripes with the sound, some of the sounds, and some of the things that were going on with it. There yeah, it is. Of course, it, it wasn't what you grew up with listening to, and, and I totally get it. You know, I, the synthesizer I, stuff wasn't big in Maiden to begin with, so you know, it just came out of nowhere. In terms of the discography, I would rate it in uh, in the upper middle of the pack. Really, you know, and they have a lot of albums, so I mean, that's what I mean, would put it probably top 10, but a very low top 10. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, from the the the, in, the uh, first song on the album, Caught Somewhere in Time, I mean, that's just a, an awesome opener, and then the Wasted Years, another catchy song. It's just you know, they still play it today, you know. See, man, this is awesome. Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner, I mean, it's such a weird title for a song, but it's you know. It's it's just very because I wordy, skipped the song doesn't mean that it just, I don't have to go in order, Lou. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just picking like my top favorites. You know, I love them all, but you know the top ones. You know, Lonely, This uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, uh, probably my second favorite song off of this album, and uh, Deja Vu I think is really cool. I don't know why you don't like this. Yeah. I don't, don't like the chorus. Drives me crazy. I just like I've been here before. Yeah. It feels just, like I've been here before. What is? Yeah, what is that? Feels like I've been here before. Yeah, what is that? Feels like I've been here before. 
Yeah, I know he said that on several times. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I just can't. It just it didn't it didn't grab me. It's like it's like um the, the one next to Sea of Madness you just mentioned. Oh my God, my my memory's heaven can me. wait. wasted years and heaven can wait. So yeah, heaven can, heaven heaven can wait. The chorus to that drives me crazy. I could not listen to it then. I can't listen to it now. Well, I think <laughs> almost the biggest problem with Steve Harris is the repetitive choruses. Is this where the repetitive choruses really kind of started? No, uh, no. Back no. in the I don't village. Remember. Back in the village. I think Jeff. more than anything, I think more than anything, this is where the preponderance of really long, uh, like where the really right. longer songs tended yeah. to. This dominate. is yeah. when they really started to be progressive. On this one, they nailed it. I think they made a couple small mistakes on Seventh Son, but the title track to Seventh Son is probably the absolute pinnacle of Steve Harris's progressive writing and yeah. Everything he's done on the newer records, I still like a lot of different songs, but I don't really like many recent full albums. It's just too much. Yeah, they, they should be shortened. But, but Greg, what got you into Somewhere in Time? Well, Killers was the first Maiden album I ever had. I lifted it from my dad when I was like six, so I was oh, nuts wow. for them for the longest time. And then, so your dad had a cool uh, record collection then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Um, kind of stopped at like the new wave of British heavy metal and bands like that. He really didn't go much heavier than that, but I got him into some things later on. Mm. But, um, yeah, he had, I think, yeah, he had Screaming for Vengeance, you know, a couple earlier Priest records. Stained Class was the one that stuck with me the most, but, um, he liked a lot of other stuff too, like a lot of prog, a lot of AOR, a lot of weird poppy stuff. Like to this day, even though most people hate it, you know, I love fucking Brian Ferry and Roxy Music. I, I can listen to Somewhere <laughs> in Time and then listen to the Bride Strip Bear, and I love them both. <laughs> what's the What's the hate about Brian Ferry or Roxy Music? I love that stuff too. Jeez, uh, I, I tried the other day because uh, we were talking about Roxy Music, and I, I don't get it. Just don't get it. Eh. Okay. Hey, not for me. Not for Tom me. G. Warrior loves him, and if Tom I, is wrong, I don't, get I don't want to be right. I don't know where. <laughs> Are we talking Brian Eno era stuff now, or after that? <laughs> well, the only song Frost ever covered was the Bride Strip Bear, and that is yeah. I think yeah, Eno Brian was Eno. still around for that. Yeah, that was '78. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, good hey, stuff. Great stuff. His very first solo album was kind of along the lines of David Bowie's Pinups, which is actually, come to think of it, probably where Bowie got the idea. It, but it's Brian Ferry singing older love songs like that. And that, it's okay, but, you know, I like their later stuff better. Whatever. <laughs> but somewhere I mean, time yeah <laughs> so i don't I, get from iron maiden yeah, ryan ferry what, what were we talking about my dad's records john we were talking about madonna's about dress you up in my love oh, <laughs> very nice very nice uh, thank you like your prayers better <laughs> the h2o version no uh, idea what you're talking about but are they thick Drawing like a prayer. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I know. I got you. I did catch you. I, ca I caught the Madonna reference. Yeah, with like a prayer. Anyway, where I was going with that, we, we had to be about 11 or 12. I really started getting into him more. I had a neighbor that was a metalhead about John's age, and he gave me a bunch of his old cassettes and stuff. So, listen to Power Slave, Peace of Mind, picked up some other records, and, um, yeah. He gave me this book, I think it was called Running Free, The History of Iron Maiden or something like that. And in the back of it, it had an advertisement for the, at that time, upcoming album, Somewhere in Time. And I thought the cover was amazing. Blade Runner, even then, was one of my favorite movies. So I was like, I have to hear this. And... Yeah, I got the record in a thrift store or something, and I put it on, and it just blew my mind. I mean, I loved... The other stuff I had heard in between, but um, nothing touched me the way Killers has, other than Somewhere in Time. I mean, it, they just, they definitely go progressive here, and they stretch out, but they touch on other strengths that they haven't previously used. It's like them exploring their sound more, and 
quite frankly, even though Nico did cool stuff before this on the albums he was on, there's a lot of that stuff, even though I've never heard him play it. But I think Clive Burr would kind of do better. But this here, I mean, he shines beautifully with Adrian. And um, a lot of that is because a couple of these songs started out of their jam sessions. So mm-hmm. give a little background on that. The World Slavery Tour, everybody knows. Super long tour, very exhausted. Maiden took off six months afterwards. Adrian and Nico weren't really happy with not playing during that time, so Nico rented a rehearsal space. Adrian invited a couple of his buddies over from his previous band, Urchin, which Dave Murray was also in, and then um, a couple bands called FM and Marshall Fury, which is where Juanita, Reach Out, That Girl all come from. And um, two of those guys, Dave Barnett and, oh my God, what the hell is the other guy's name? Andy Barnett and Dave Caldwell ended up in that ASAP Adrian Smith and project. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that girl, which is one of the B-sides to Stranger in a Strange Land, um, they played a live show in late 85 as the entire population of Hackney and Dave, Steve, and uh, Bruce joined them for the encore and they did a couple Maiden songs and um, a couple ZZ Top covers too. And I, according to Nico, on the leasing with Nico on the Wasted Years single I have from the first 10 years box set, apparently they also on the second night played early versions of Stranger in a Strange Land and Wasted Years. Is that true? I don't know. I've got no reason not to believe them, but the second show wasn't recorded. However, if you listen to that girl reach out and Juanita and really think about it, I could totally see those stranger in a strange land and wasted years coming out of that jam session it is a bootleg of that live concert uh you can hear it on youtube it's Mm -hmm. uh it's it's from the first night it is from the first night okay and uh it's funny because you know we're talking about how this is uh more of an adrian album than anything bruce didn't write one song on this entire album from what i from what i gathered greg and please correct me if i'm wrong um Steve did not like the material that Bruce contributed to the sessions because Bruce, I think, was tired of, you know, hitting those high notes. And he was going for something more acoustically because I think that's the direction that Maiden was supposed to go for. And Steve said, no, pretty much. If if I'm wrong, please correct me. No, you're right. But Bruce is always claimed because he felt it was time for them to make their physical graffiti and he wanted to stretch out into acoustic stuff like that. And to to be honest, I, I love big parts of Seventh Son, but tracks like Infinite Dreams are a pretty good indication as to why Steve turned his material down. I do not like that song. I I'm I, I'm with you on that one. He, it, it, the vocals, the, the lines, he sounds so off meter when it begins with infinite dreams. I can't deny them. It sounds so out of sync with the rest of the music. I want to flip that song off instantly. And it just gets worse as it goes along. But anyway. And this is why they haven't played it since the seventh or With, um you know, Adrian and Nico writing the majority of this music and just with Adrian's real sense of melody here, because even though I will admit, I do love every song on this album, but if I had to pick a least favorite or something I do skip occasionally, it'd be Heaven Can Wait. And it's mostly because of the chorus. It's a little obnoxious. But there's sections on there, for example, the gang vocals where they go, oh, Dude, the way the synths are layered in that, what Steve's playing, the way Adrian's stretching out, it sounds like Iron Maiden's channeling Blue Oyster Cult. And that mm, happens cool. at several I, points on here. It's, I feel if, like Adrian, if the entire song was that, I'd be down for it. I feel like on this album, Adrian, Steve, and Nico kind of took a lot of their 70s influences and just what they did in those bands when they were coming up before Maiden and incorporated them into what Maiden was doing already and made something really special with it. And they did that before with Killers and other records, but that was the fast and aggressive Maiden. This is more the progressive side of it. Speaking of progressive, I'm a huge Coheed and Cambria fan, but oh, there this, is a... This is your last show. 
fight me. <laughs> but there is a song by Coed and Cambria, and keeping of si- keeping secrets of Silent Earth three, the end of that song was completely lifted from the uh, chorus chant in Heaven Can Wait. And if anyone disagrees with me, you're an idiot because it's the same fucking melody, and it's still fantastic. What's this song again? I have to look, uh, listen to it. Uh, Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth 3. Jesus Christ, I'm not going to remember that. The name oh. of their second album. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll yeah I, I don't know anything about Coheed and Cambria, but I'll check out that part of that just to see what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm not going to listen to the whole song. I, 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 I grew kind of livid when I uh, heard that part. I was like, wait a minute. Not only are they ripping off Rush vocally, but they're ripping off Iron Maiden musically. Blasphemy. <laughs> I remember going into the store to buy that album, and it was in the punk section. And I looked at the guy because I couldn't find it. I kept looking for it in the prog section. And then I go up to the guy at the counter, and I say, listen, I'm looking for this new band or newish band. They're called Coheed and Cambria. I said, you know, they, they got this really progressive track of blah, blah, blah. And in they got this single out that sounds like, you know, this sounds kind of like Rush. And, oh, yeah, they're in the punk section. I'm like, in the punk section? <laughs> what the hell? Punk has lost its meaning. I don't care what anyone says. But, um, I mean, I, I love this this album. And I have to say that, as much as I love the songs on side one, and yeah, I can understand what you guys are saying when you say that Heaven Can Wait is kind of obnoxious in its re- repetitious chorus. I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about the title track, but again, the, the, no. phrase, the phrasing it makes the, it better. Caught somewhere in time the way it's phrased, and again, I... Well, actually, let me look here real quick. Well, what I was going to say was side three has... Side three. Side two has my three <laughs> favorite songs off this album. And that would be Deja Vu, Sorry John, uh, <laughs> a- a- Alexander the Great, and Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. That being said, even though I love the song, um, Stranger in a Strange Land is actually my least favorite song on the album. <laughs> but that doesn't take away from its greatness. It's just it's my least favorite song on the album. <laughs> love I like that Greg. song. <laughs> I don't hate the song. I'm just saying it's the one that I would skip over if you this, if oh, I had a choice. But, um, part two, the argument. And you only like Alexander the Great because you're Greek. So but, but, but everybody, you know, always brings up <laughs> loneliness of the long distance runner. It's so wordy. Blah, blah, blah. Well, no, because you know what? They had been wordy before, but Quest for Fire, legitimately, it's wordy and it sucks. Here, yeah. it works great. It works. He, whether whether he's singing the run on and on part or the actual logo. I love that the part. Long distance runner. Dude, his vocals go so perfectly with the melody line that mm-hmm. Adrian's playing. And, I agree. Um, oh, actually, come to think of it, that makes me think of one positive thing I can actually say about Yannick Burst. Him being in the band, being able to play the rhythm, allows Adrian and Dave to do the harmonies exactly like on the album. So, freeze them up. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it just kind of pains me, though, that they'll never play anything off this album except for Wasted no. Years. Dude, they have to play. They still do Heaven Can Wait. I haven't seen them perform as, as, since I've seen them in concert. I've seen them five they times. They just did it on the last one, Legacy of the Beast, I thought. Did they? Yeah. No, they did. I don't. I wasn't. I wasn't at that show. I know at the uh, for the Book of Souls tour they did uh, uh, "Wasted Years," but that's the only song off this album that they did. Um, it's funny because I want to see him do "Stranger." I would. That'd be awesome. I like "Deja Vu," but <laughs> that was the last Maiden album I really liked. Actually, was "Book of Souls." I thought that was pretty good. It was an improvement, especially over "Dance of Death." I like "Dance of Death." It's all right. Well, Passchendaele is one of my favorite songs. I don't like a matter of what. The funny thing, thing, going back to the Somewhere in Time album, this also marked the point where I started to fall away from Maiden. I think think part part of my problem with this album, too, is I think my tastes overall were starting to change because I was starting to fall way more into the thrash, the the heavier spectrum Mm -hmm. of metal at that period in time. I mean, what, 86, 87? Well, yeah. going, Going into my university years, you know? So that's what I was into then was thrash. And I was starting to get into the the, the, the darker end of stuff, you know. And yeah, that makes just, sense. Yeah. So I think, I, I think, and they were and they seemed to be at the time going in, in the other direction. I mean, especially with that single, and they were getting a little bit lighter. Like, well, I, I won't say lighter because it's there. It was still a heavy album, but more melodic. Let's mm-hmm. say They're more more commercially viable. 
It yeah. sounds like to me, anyway. Well, 86, <laughs> that was the year that Metallica opened up for Ozzy. That was the year that they were starting to break, and they made... The first they time I saw the, Metallica. Yeah, and they opened the floodgates for what was coming out of the thrashing at that time. So it's funny, like, the only other album I guess you could compare it to of that year is probably Turbo from uh, Judas Priest, because both have an yes. overabundance of guitar synths. I, I consider them sister albums. I, I'd throw uh, Ravens, uh, The Pack is Back in there, too, actually. Two not what to do and one what to do. That is true. All right, so, John, obviously, uh, from a, a scale of 1 to 10, I mean, you said out of 5, you'd do two, two 2.5. So what would you get out of, out of a 10? Out of a 10, I would have to go with, if I was going to rate this on 10, being honest with myself and being honest with the merits of the actual album, I would go a six, personally. Because, and and five for the music, because I like half the album, Mm. truly. If I I was going to say I truly liked any any number of songs, it would probably be about four tracks, which is, I think, yeah, that's half the album. I think it's eight tracks on the album, right? And uh, so... So that that gives it a five out of ten for me, and then that and then my dad lying on my bed uh, tapping his toe gives it a, that extra little nudge up to the six. <laughs> Real cool, Luke. This is the last maiden album I give a perfect ten to. Wow, Greg, ten clearly. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I'm, oh. I'm giving it a ten too. I mean. Oh, I'm bring, I'm bringing down the I'm lowering that. Bill. It's okay. I, hey, I like that. I don't like it when we're, everybody agrees. It's it's boring. Drew. Yeah. Because yeah. I, mean, you know, I, I, I love the album. I love the album. It's the end of the show. So, you know, <laughs> uh, it made made more slowly fading away for me at that point. I mean, I I, I kind of jumped back on board slightly for the next album, but that was the end for Which me. Which is understandable. You know, you heard them a lot sooner than I did, and then yeah. you know, probably by than all of us. So it's you know, I get that. You know. I was it's just getting into metal, so it, it was something new to me. You know, I never heard this before, and, and yeah. you know, it, it it was just it's fun to hear this. You know, I find I find coming that from Def Leppard, I was a huge Def Leppard. My Def Leppard was my my first band, and then I coming from Def Leppard, bands and albums with most yeah. bands and albums. Like when I'm chatting with somebody online, like I can't see their face. I have no idea who they are or how old they are. And like say we're talking about Judas Priest, I'll say like, okay, well, what's your favorite Priest album? And I can pretty much guess what how old they are just by which album they tell me you know is their favorite almost every time within within a five year span I'll tell you exactly how old you are just by what album you tell me you like the most. Well, that's, I, so I can understand you're temporarily. This album came at the right time. Fear yeah. of the Dark has a huge following, and I don't get it because I hate that album with a oh, passion. I love that album too. Actually, I thought we were just done it on this show, but. Yeah, yeah. Saying, no, not, not, not before somewhere in time. Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I, I don't hate Fear of the Dark, but it is nowhere near as good. I well, hate No I Prayer for the Dying. Though. Yeah, that, oh, that, that I hate it. I actually love No Prayer for the Dying. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you can tail gun yourself right out the fucking door with that annoying ass melody line. <laughs> I, I, I like three track. I like uh, probably three tracks on No Prayer for the Dying, and maybe. Maximum two on Fear of the Dark, so I'm gonna have it slightly better. <laughs> my fa- my favorite song from the No Prayer for the Dying era is a cover, and Wayne hates it, but he doesn't like Golden Earring, so I'm not really surprised. But I love that. What kill me, cover. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I hate that song. What do you but give it, Wayne? Ten. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, two things yeah. I wanted to add to that. So Sheriff of Huddersfield was originally a song called Life in the City from Adrian's first band, Urchin. Yes. Um, and um, FM, the band that deviated from the, you, sorry, what of Hackney? The entire population of Hackney. Thank you. Uh, the two band members that went on to uh, do FM, they actually released that as a track of their own, uh, That Girl. They uh, that song is actually available for uh, streaming. Yes, so it's pretty good, but I prefer the Maiden version. Well, is their, F- their F- version or FM? FM. FM. Their version is actually a rewritten one because they kind of changed their sound in between when they wrote that and then when they put the album out. Maiden covers the original arrangement, which is probably well. I don't know, because I love that song, Invasion, with Paul Diano. But it's close to being my favorite studio B-side from them. Mm. I love that girl. And Juanita. 
That that's one I would love to hear them do live, just so Bruce could do that little. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see him do that on stage and lick his lips and shit, just because Bruce is such a ham. It would be great, and I would love I to see the B sides being so Alexander hard to hands on. Uh, yeah, they used to be, but before I forget, I'll come back to Sheriff of Huntersfield, which is the one I really don't care for. Um, I do like the Urchin song. The song gets a little annoying after a while. It's okay, but they the whole song is a piss take at their manager, Rod Smallwood, right. and they, they wrote it as an in-studio jam as a joke when Nico was doing his impression of him. Hmm. <laughs> Wait, but that's Nico impersonating Rod Smallwood? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and now, now we mentioned the uh, the Castle re- uh, reissues. Um, I, out of all the B-sides of, of all the other albums, this is probably my favorite B-sides. You know, it's all the song Juanita. I, and, honestly, uh, I think these are the strongest assortment I think of so B-sides too. they did, and I think that comes out of the fact that they did these songs in jam sessions is the entire population of Hackney. And they, these songs were all still demos. Then if the band did do studio versions of them, they did them years later. So this all kind of had a chance to form around somewhere in time. So it fits very, very well. Yeah, it does. I think, I think it was Lou that mentioned a little bit earlier about reach out. And I mean, that's for the, for the longest time, that was the Holy grail. I, Mm -hmm used to look everywhere to try to get my hands on that track, whether it would be a, you know, on a 45 or whatever. Right. Well, I'm glad that I actually found a copy of best of the B sides on Amazon. Cause that was the only way I can own it. Although, you know, there are other maiden rarities that I wish I could get my hands on, but I will find them. But I, one I, thing I, that I said, I think it was an import. I got it. Yeah, on you, import. you can pick. I have the first 10 years box that you're talking about. I actually had the Japanese version of it. But what I was going to say was, Lou, if, if you're not looking for the whole set with the box, you can actually pick up the individual CDs pretty cheap. I, I, or vinyls, if you wanted to do the vinyls. I appreciate that. Thanks. But the only thing is that the copy of Made in Japan I want is the one with the five songs on it, not the four. The, on yeah, the it's, the, ten- it's the regular American version. Um, most of the mm-hmm. copies ever going to cost you is 20 bucks. Not on the 10 years, uh, first 10 years uh, box set. Uh, no, that, because that uses the Europe master. The UK one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will find it. And when I do, I'll be very happy. The one <laughs> thing that upsets me, though, about this, uh, this album, they never released a live concert of it because Steve decided not to. Meanwhile, at the time, it was Maiden's peak of their live concerts. Not taking anything away from the World Slavery Tour, because God knows that that um, was a great show and a, and a great set list. Although I kind of wish that they had filmed an earlier concert because I feel like by that time Bruce's voice was just a little shot. But they, and they didn't tour as much behind somewhere in time as they did World Slavery Tour. And there's a bootleg of it available, and the bootleg looks incredible. And it's just like God if they had only shot a pro shot footage of this. Rod Smallwood. He, he he condemns Steve for not having done that, and Steve's like, "Yeah, that was probably one of my biggest mistakes." So the nice thing about those, we did get like kind of get like a little bit of a chunk of it with the cut somewhere back in time tour. Anyway, we got that Eddie to come out, and you know, so that was nice to see. I like that yeah. when it happened. Yeah, it was cool. I that was a great tour. I love that tour. Yeah. yeah, did you go see it though? It was at Jones Beach. Uh, I did not go see this caught somewhere in t- on tour because I was on my honeymoon at that time. Well, I but I, I did get to see the Made in England that's tour, fine. so that was pretty cool. Oh, that's that cool. was amazing. That's cool, very cool. Well, I guess that's it for uh, Screams from the Grave. Yes, it really is. An, an extended version. I mean, we usually would do like a half hour. Yeah, that's my we fault. <laughs> no, this is an album that really, really needs to be talked about because so many people diss it just because. You know, I, never, I never hear so anybody diss. This is the first time I've ever heard anybody diss this album. So yeah, yeah, it's strange. To me. I, 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 I don't. I guess is, I don't. And <laughs> I'm honest. I'm honestly kind of. Uh, uh, a gog that all three of you rated a ten out of ten because I've never ever run into this many people in this, a single room that would do that before. Wow, that's strange. And, and when Greg said he wanted to do this for the show, I'm like, that's kind of weird because to me, 
it's one of the top Maiden albums, I, I thought, but uh, probably me, okay. If if I'm going to rank my Maiden albums, I'd go I'd go probably Killers number one, then I'd go Peace of Mind, then I'd go Power Slave, and then after that, then it's a oh of the debut maybe, you know, and then Seventh Son, and then mm-hmm. this this one would probably slot in right in right in, and then you get all your new stuff because I, I I after Bruce came back. And you know, you get it. You got to mix your Blaze stuff in there too. But after Bruce came back, I had no interest in the band. I barely know. I I I don't think I could name ten songs beyond uh, the the first comeback album, Brave New World. And that's wow. not. That's no. That's no lie. I just lost. I, 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 I've I've moved on to other things. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you listened to them, or you just avoided them? Completely? Oh yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I've occasionally checked in on them from time to time, but like I'm, I haven't followed. Like, there was a period, say, say from about 1981 to 1986, where Iron Maiden, I considered Iron Maiden probably the greatest metal band on earth. They were right up there with Judas Priest for me. They they were number one and number two, the the, the big guns, yeah. the ones the ones that I wanted to see succeed and rule the world. Maiden did. And priest, priest, uh, pretty much took over for a little while there too. But I mean, now I was living my dreams at that period, and 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 they and they were they were the shit. And then and got some. I think it was just changing times, changing tastes. My cha- my my taste changed. I was getting progressively harder edged and harder edged, mm-hmm. and getting into different things. And that'll do it. That's what got me out of Def Leppard. There was no yeah. other band but Def Leppard for me. And then once I hell found hell. The Testament Metallica, I was like, all right, well, goodbye, Def Leppard. I still rate <laughs> high and dry the first two Def Leppard albums. Oh, of course, very high. Yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I also, record. I also think for uh, people in our. In our Oh, sorry, I just hit my mic. I think for people in in our generation, uh, somewhere in time, because it falls uh, closer to an age, maybe that when we started listening to where John was when he started listening to the earlier Maiden albums, that's probably the reason why we have it so high on our list. Mm. Because if you ask my brother, he'll be like, oh, I like Somewhere in Time of, or uh, Somewhere in Time or uh, Seventh Son. But have you have you heard Killers? Like he still holds on to the the first five the most. Meanwhile, it's like for me, I'm there. that's where I am. No doubt. Right, yeah. but for nothing, me, it's nothing has reached that first run. No. You know, and again, I mean, those first five Maiden albums, I I hold up as five of the greatest albums ever, um, in, including this. But like I said, this. Objectively speaking, I could say the reason why I think that this is the last Maiden album I would give a perfect 10 to is because, well, after that, it was like, you know, a, a handful of great songs, but not albums full of great songs. So, you know, still don't don't knock them. I mean, Maiden have contributed so much to to the to the world of not just metal, but music. So. If you haven't given them a chance, what the hell are you waiting for? I'm sure you have, but just give this album a chance. Seriously. It's if you're watching the show and you haven't given them a chance, what the hell are you doing? Really? Yeah, Christ. really. Yeah. <laughs> that's the case. Go back to your little Wayne. Yeah, that's right. Lou, where can we find you? Besides you on find this show me. once in a while. Besides where? Besides on this show once in a while. Okay. You can find me on the Music is Life podcast. You can find it over at YouTube. Please subscribe, like, comment. And you can also subscribe to my uh, podcast uh, wherever your fine available podcasts are. And you can also hear me exclusively on the Ratside Review Network. Once again, Wayne, the high muckety-muck of Ratside Review, and Greg Noggle, the Grand Poobah. I thank you guys for having me on the show. And oh, John, wow. pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you too. Luke. Thank you for coming on. And uh, promote your other friends' uh, uh, podcast again, so I have uh, people going to their show as well. All right. So, out. so big love to Ralph Vieira over at Vieira Vault. Big love to uh, James and EA over at Beyond Bushido. And I also wanted to give some love to uh, my friends Denise Bridey and Rob Graziani, who are now doing a podcast called the Anvi Graziani Podcast. It's a podcast to help spread the word of the Anvi Graziani Foundation, which is uh, raising awareness and donations for breast cancer. And they're two of the most wonderful people that I've ever met in my whole life. Um, I love them dearly. And they're out trying to make a positive difference in the world by bringing up this kind of awareness. I mean, I, uh, you know, for me, breast cancer, 
um, hits close to home because I had a mother-in-law who I have a mother-in-law who's a breast cancer survivor. Hi, Christine, how you doing? And I'm sure that many of us have uh, women and not just women, but men. I mean, Peter Chris, he beat it. Um, you know, many of us have either people who have suffered from it or survived it or lost from it. So the Anvi Graziani Foundation is out there trying to uh, make a positive change in the world by spreading awareness and raising funds to help fight breast cancer. So please give Rob and Denise some love over at the AVG podcast. And uh, they're available so far on Spreaker. And I hope to have them on Music is Life to talk about it. So, you know, thank you guys for giving them a, a listen. And thank you, Wayne, for letting me um, promote them. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, my mother-in-law also had uh, breast cancer, too. But thankfully, she beat that. So Awesome. Oh, that was good. Uh, John, you got a Facebook group. I have a Facebook Well, I have a Facebook group on uh right now called the circle of hands it's only a small private group i'm just getting some people together it was actually an old group that existed a decade ago and then uh, i went through some life changes and wasn't online anymore and it died on the vine and so i'm just getting it together uh, getting it together now is getting it moving and but if you're going to find me anywhere at all it'll be on facebook anyway for now but like i said my life right now is in a box <laughs> literally in a box in my in my basement and that's where i'm sitting right now and uh but uh, as I get things worked out here and I get that darn computer that I've been talking about for two months or three months or whatever, uh, you're gonna, I'll, I'll be a little bit more prepared for these kind of things. <laughs> Good. I hope so. Because we, we really enjoyed having you on. I had a lot of fun. Oh, I'm great. glad you joined Definitely. Us. It was yeah, great. definitely, man. you got to come on more. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, like I said, this is my first kick at the can. I'll be, uh, I'm going to, as I get more experience with it and see see how you guys are dealing with things, I'll, I'll be more prepared and, and know, know what it takes to bring it every time yeah cool you did fine today so i think we're all right it's <laughs> right, good to hear guys thank you thank congrats you, you survived your quest of fire that's right oh. and please everybody go look at oh my i couldn't God, even I remember the tracks the names of the tracks i'm here sweating bullets going what was the name of that third track i <laughs> uh, see a madness is great i have a soundboard recording of uh the night they played in philadelphia in uh, 87, and they do that song, Stranger, Heaven Can Wait, Caught Somewhere in Time. It's fucking awesome. Oh, and Waste on Sea of Madness drives me crazy. <laughs> oh, Sea of Madness. I'm sorry. I'm talking I'm talking about Heaven Can Wait. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't yeah, even I know what the hell he's talking about. Rats no, I'm tired. I'm tired. I worked all day. He's tired. Go to bed. <laughs> but uh, RatsOutReview.com. Uh, please subscribe, share, and like all of our shows. And uh, comment on our stuff too. What do you think of uh, this show? You know, what do you think of Somewhere in Time? Let us know. And is there an album that you would want us to talk about on on Screams from the Grave? What's like that album that people don't really talk about anymore, and you think people should give us and suggestions as long as it doesn't feature Sammy Hagar. And we're not doing Cold Lake either. No, we might uh-huh. one day. One if day, someone, if someone was willing to donate some money for like ralph does for me to take the time out of my day to talk about that abomination i would do it i'll give i'll give you some clickbait i like <laughs> you like that album really mm-hmm. <laughs> all right it's a death match greg versus john on cold night <laughs> you like that album but i do somewhere in I... time is like Ugh. wayne you're not in the business of shaming stop uh... it <laughs> No, I think, gets, but... I think it gets bad stick because of the photograph on the back cover. And yeah, it's, they changed, they changed, they changed uh, somewhat, but it's not really that far removed from anything that came before it. it no, really fuck isn't. it isn't, dude. The usurper starts <sighs> off with blood and tears, got my sword as I rise to the jewel throne. Cold Lake starts <laughs> off with, hey, this ghost blowing me a thousand little kisses, which is not a phrase that's ever been on any kind of You know what? I take back what I said. You should donate to Craig just to get him to do that again. That was frightening. I like I do there is a couple songs on there that are kind of closer to their original sound, but um he I shouldn't have let he shouldn't have let Oliver Amber do as much of the writing as he did. I don't understand did. why people could keep calling it a glam album or 
a hair metal album. It's not. It, it, it's not that it's far. Not really not that far removed from what they're. Sure, lyrically they changed it up, and sure they 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 were trying to throw in a little bit more of a melodic tilt to it, but it still sounded like Celtic Frost to me, bro. Maybe I'm we should sorry. do this on a show. Let's do yeah, this on a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. On the previous album, for Christ's sakes. I mean, come on. No, it didn't. Or Into well, the Pandemonium. I love Into the Pandemonium. Well, might, we yeah. might have to do this show. But uh, that's it for now. Bye, everybody. All right. Cool. Yeah. Bye-bye. Good night. All right. What?